I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Welcome to the show. I'm Mark Boris, and today I'm talking to two completely different business owners, different industries, different experience, and very different needs. Our first guest is Libby Garner, the founder of The Platter Project. She designs, she creates, and she delivers incredible luxury food platters for all kinds of events. And she first launched in 2016. And then, later on, I'll talk about the creative industry with Luke Beaton. Luke owns and runs Sailor Studio, a digital design agency based in Western Sydney. Okay, let's get straight into it now. Our first guest, Libby, used to make platters for girlfriends and for parties and was always being encouraged to start selling them. That's what girlfriends are for. So she decided to create an anonymous Instagram account and started as a side business without telling anyone. Since then, she's quit a job and grown Platter Project to the point where she's ready to expand. Tell me, why did you do this in secret? What was the whole idea about that? Why didn't you want to tell anybody? Uh, I guess I was a little bit insecure and embarrassed about the whole idea of starting your own business and just failing, scared of failure. What were you doing? What were you doing at the same time? So I was working at an advertising agency. So you so, understand Instagram and yeah, marketing totally. and all that sort of stuff. Yep. So you really do know how to market. Yep. Came and, from a PR background. I worked in LA doing talent management. So I was very aware of what happens. So why are you in, in why were you media. insecure then? Because Everyone's sort of doing it online and everyone's on Instagram and creating, some people have five Instagram accounts of their hobbies and things like that. So I don't know. I didn't want to be like, Hey, yeah, I've created this Instagram account and it's about food like everybody else. Because if you don't take a picture of it, it didn't happen kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And um, how annoying is that when people go to so restaurants? So annoying. They, exactly. Or they, or so they used annoying. to, I don't know if it still happens anymore, but you used to go to a, a restaurant and then people were taking a photograph of the food everywhere. I mean, this is like a few years ago. I was thinking, what are you doing? Man? Yeah. I mean, what is it? It's too much. So, so you, I, 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 I mean, I just looking at this great platter you brought in to show me, and I'm going to take it up to the grill team later and give it to the boys because I know uh, <laughs> they love to eat their food. Um, but, 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 but I, I guess just in summary, you've taken your expertise and your skill and knowledge about PR marketing from your agency background Mm-hmm. And you've really just gone out and packaged a good quality product and then marketed it via Instagram. And I don't, I'm not trying to undermine what you've done, but I'm trying to say to our listeners, um, a lot of small business ideas today are about repackaging, just repackaging 
what someone's already doing because platters are already available. Yeah. I mean, you know what? The platters are out there. Oh, 100%. So what you've done is successfully repackaged and used the medium of social media, in this case Instagram, to market cheaply your product. Is that right? 100%. Yep. Pretty simple, eh? Yeah. It's so easy. (laughs) Yeah, but you've got to get your product right. Yeah, and you've got to match things right and you... You've got to get your pricing right too. Totally. And you have to use a quality product, you know. So, okay, so the idea... You know, as again, again for listeners, is that if you're thinking about, you know, you're good at something, you have a skill at something. If you can repackage it and market it properly, then you've got the start of a good business. Mm-hmm. But really, Libby, what it get now comes down to is the three things, the three most important things in any new business, is the delivery. In other words, how do you execute? How do you get it out to your customer? Mm-hmm. One, two. The quality of the product, and three, how do you price it competitively? So, what did you do in those three areas? How did you work out how to price this? Well, I think I do a lot of, I guess, and social entertaining and things like that. So, I think about how much I would go out and spend on a cheese platter, or how much I would go to the supermarket and spend to make a cheese platter, and look at wood to get good cheeses. It's not cheap for you <laughs> to buy that. Or for anybody to buy that. For anybody to buy yep. that. You go to like a Harris Farm or a Thomas Ducks or even Coles and Woolies and you buy a decent cheese, you're going to spend $15. Yeah. And, and by the way, you'll end up using like 10 slices of the cheese or 15 slices of the cheese. Mm. And then you've got the rest of the cheese and in like two months time it's moldy <laughs> and you've got to throw it out. So you actually, you wasted it. So yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, so, sometimes. Yeah. So like, I because mean, I, I, funny enough, I just cleaned out of my fridge. Like every time I go to Woolworths to go, or you know, or, or wherever one of I don't go to many places, but one of them, wherever I go, I go. Oh shit! I wouldn't mind having some, um, you know, this cheese and that cheese. But and I go and buy everything. Yeah. And put them in my fridge. Yeah. And they're still there three months later. And I look at the use by date, and I oh, go throw this shit out. You need to invite some friends over. Yeah, that's probably not about. <laughs> got to get some friends. <laughs> Never will know friends. So, but I mean, I'm sure if I told them that I had cheese in there, they probably would come over if I had a yeah, platter. So exactly. The, the point being here is, in terms of your pricing policy. Um, mm-hmm. You've worked. You know what people are prepared to p- prepared to pay for a good cheese platter for, say, a group of five people or ten. Yeah, people. and look, I'm still working on it. I'm only I've only been going for five months, so um, I'm still working on my pricing because I have a lot of variety of platters. So there's sandwiches, sushi, dessert, and look, a sandwich platter compared to an antipasto platter, there's going to be a difference. But I'm still working on that because I'm still researching basically what everything costs, how cheap you can get it from different people, suppliers. Customer feedback. 100%. And when when you're saying how much you have to pay for it, because this is really important, pricing your product is extraordinarily important. One, you've got to look at what the competition's doing. Yeah. Two, you've got to look at what the market can bear, Mm -hmm. what the market will cop. Um, And that usually is a function of feedback from your customers. God, that was expensive. or That was really good value. Yeah. You know, sometimes when they say really good value, that means cheap, which means you probably should be charging a little bit more. Yeah. So – and it's a it's a constant uh, it's it's a constant iteration of the last pricing. Oh, I'm going to look at the new pricing, and and you got to, and you can't just sort of say, oh, that plate there costs ten bucks last month. I'm going to charge twelve bucks next month for it. You have to actually change the plate around so you can charge uh, charge yeah. twelve dollars. A bit like what Scott Morrison's doing at the moment with the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, they just change things around a little bit, and they say, well, that's going to cost you more tax. So so you can't just sort of say, I'm going to charge you more tax. You, you, I can't charge you a greater price unless I do something to make it look like it's more valuable. So for those people yeah. listening, and I think it's important, Libby, that you know, you're know you bringing this to light at the moment, 
it is constant changing and constant evolution based on the research you do will tell you what the demand side, in other words, what your consumers will pay you for your product. Mm-hmm. And then you're, then you backfill yep. to try and work out how much I can buy it, how I can buy it cheaper. Yeah. And that usually comes about as, comes about by getting the right price and selling lots of it because that allows you to buy more of it, which means generally speaking, you should be able to buy it cheaper. Yes. Is that how it works for you? Yeah, definitely. And then, and you got to, but you got to uh, bake into all this, you know. I'm sorry for the, the word bake, but you got to bake into all this a profit margin because you got to make money out of this. And yeah. So, do you charge for your time? Do you build your? You sort of say, well, I'm Libby Gardner. I think that I should be putting in uh, per hour of making the food. I should be putting in fifty dollars an hour for myself. I'm starting to do that now. I'm still sort of not really paying myself for my time because I'm still trying to build the ba- the brand, and I think I'm doing it a lot slower than what I'll be doing it in another year, say, because I am getting better and I am getting a lot of fa- a lot faster at it, which um, which is really good because then I am, I'm making money on my time. But for now, I'm just trying to concentrate on getting my costs down. Okay, so, so th- this is really important, listeners. It's about pricing, and pricing is about what the cost of goods are. In other words, how much I pay for my own goods based on the quality that the market demands – for the price I want to charge them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's that's really important. The second thing is delivery. So, you know, this is beautifully wrapped, and on this occasion, you personally delivered it, and uh, you, you're beautifully wrapped yourself, and you, you look lovely today. So, it's a great delivery, <laughs> great outcome. So, but that's not that's not going to be happening when you deliver a thousand a week or whatever it is you're delivering. No. So, how do you get the delivery right? How do you get that execution piece, that last mile, that fulfillment right? Because I guess people come to you online, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they, they choose what they want online, yep. but they you want them to get that nice surprise, someone clean and tidy has delivered it to them on time yeah. and it's not broken, it's not all smashed up. Yep. How do you get that right? Well, you've got to find a good – I would personally like to hire my own delivery team. I couldn't trust a courier service and I couldn't, you know, send it in the mail. Um, so as I'm, I'm looking into it currently of hiring, I guess, somebody or a few people with – get some vans in, refrigerated, and off they go. But I can only deliver to Sydney. At, at the, the moment. At the moment. Yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I don't feel comfortable with cheese being out of the fridge for an hour to go to the Central Coast or Wollongong or anything like that. So um, delivery is really important to me and so is, I guess, face-to-face, that face-to-face time with a client or a customer. Um, so I don't want a courier service doing it. I would like somebody showing up in my brand with um, a real, some really good customer service. Yeah, and a smile and uh, yeah. something friendly. They don't have to stay too long. No. I mean, it, it, it'd be and great. to get that wow. When, when you deliver a platter to somebody, like even you guys today were like, wow, that looks good. And, you know, that's that's what I like to see. Yeah. Well, well, the look, reaction. That's an interesting point. Now, I don't you know, don't get this done sound too weird, but I mean, like, you're a nice looking girl, um, a nice looking lady, you know, you're, you understand your product. You're obviously the principal of the business, so you're going to put extra effort into it and you know you're a good marketing person. So when you walk in with this thing on its own, it looks great, but add you to, to it, mm-hmm. it looks a hundred times better. All right? No, I'm serious. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm serious, right? Yeah. So that's sort of, that sort of, that pleasantry, the, <clears throat> excuse me, a nice smile and, um, you know, a warm, uh, the warmth of, you know, that you bring with the plate. Yeah. With a platter. 
<clears throat> pardon me, is very important. Replicating yourself is really difficult. I know. In business. Like it's <laughs> very, very difficult. Um, so you need to sort of work out a very simple way of executing on the fulfillment piece. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, without using couriers like, yeah. or contractors outside of that. Yeah. And it'd be great if it turned up in a little van with, you know, the, your name on the side yeah, of it. Yeah, that's and, the plan. Yeah. And, you know, um, you get return customers that way too because you build a relationship with them and they're like, Libby, hey. You know, I get then get emails saying, thanks so much. It was so nice to meet you. You know, it's then building the relationship with your customer and they keep coming back. Now you're going to have to build that cost you. into the price though. Because yes. you're going to have to pay for that. I mean, yeah. you know, that, and so maybe what this does is those extra costs and that fulfillment journey starts to determine, in my view, the type of product you have to sell or the quality of the product you have to sell and the price. It nearly means you have to sell a more luxury item or something a bit more luxurious with a picture or appears to be more luxurious. Mm. I mean, a peach is a peach is a peach and a strawberry is a strawberry. You know, like you, yeah. you can't get much better. There's One strawberry is not much better than another strawberry, if you know what I mean. But that it is. But in it, some cases, you can get good strawberries but, and you can get yeah, crap strawberries. Oh no, I agree with that. But if you assuming you've got good quality product, you're not going to get you're not going to get that exotic price in order to cover the cost of the more exotic delivery service. Yeah. Unless you somehow again repackage it and or remarket it in such a way that people think they got a better product. Yeah. So it's, which I'm trying to do at the moment. Right. That's, that's all a part key. Of my research. Yeah. That's a key to it all. Like yeah. uh, I think. Um. You know, instead of charging, what's that platter there cost? $80 plus delivery. Plus delivery. So I do build most of it, most of that service into my delivery costs. Um, But people expect delivery though, because they know you're not. Yeah, completely. But, you know, um, that is an additional service. There is the option to pick it up if you really like to, but my sort of target market don't want their platters delivered to them. So 150 platters delivered to me, will it cost me more in delivery than, say, two platters? What do you mean, sorry? So let's say I ring up and say, I want 50 platters tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Deliver to my office in Chifley Square in the city. Yeah. Um, or or alternatively, I ring and I ring an XA, so I only want two platters. Does 50 platters delivery cost me more to deliver than no, two platters? It's no. the same deal. So yeah, it's the same deal. Same. That's what I mean. I'm still building my time into everything. I haven't really budgeted for my time at the moment. Or Are you delivering myself? stuff yourself at the moment? Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you won't yeah. soon. You won't be able to do that. So you're no. you're you're. Well, let's just quickly look at the third thing. And and uh, the third thing is um the the product itself. Um. I, I, so we just covered. The, I covered three things. I said price, the fulfillment, the delivery, and the last one is the product itself. The product itself is about sourcing good quality ingredients. One, mm-hmm. two, it's about the design. Though you know what it is. And that's time as well. Yeah. And and who you're designing this stuff yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I sit down before, like when I get an order and I plan it, I draw, I write out what I'm going to put on it. And and in terms of cooking or whatever it is, you do like, do you, most of it is ingredient. I mean, recipes, how do you work all that stuff out? Um, I guess just reading books yeah, and yeah. They're surfing your online. Are, yeah. It's your yeah. stuff, original stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, most of it is, I guess, unpacking and just putting it on a platter. You know, I don't make cheeses from scratch or no, anything like that. But um, all the little canapes and combinations that I put together are all my own things. Right. So yeah. in terms of getting your business now to be a bigger business, um, you've got to split roles. So you've got three sort of new roles. You've got, <laughs> uh, I can just see three people already. You need a delivery person, person in charge yeah. of delivery. That's not going to be you. Here's Can't the be challenge. you. Yep. Um, then the second one is uh, the actual p- production of this stuff um, mm-hmm. at a 
a pace where one person can do it, you need you're gonna need a small team yeah. of people who basically follow instructions and a menu mm-hmm. that you build yeah. with your yeah. one other person perhaps. People who aren't costing you a fortune and you're not you're not looking for necessarily skilled chefs here, mm-hmm. but you need clean, articulate people. Yeah. Who can who can follow a menu menu mm-hmm. or a simple menu. Mm-hmm. Um that's, you know, probably twenty five, thirty bucks an hour person. Yeah. Well the um the plan is in terms of scaling it would be to maybe do um, a platter a month. So you'll have your small, medium and large every month. So I can have a team doing that, basically making everything. And then you pay the additional and the premium if you would like me to custom design a unique platter. Right. So that's, so, that's you, a personal design from the... Yeah. Yeah. So that's in terms of scaling. Right. Okay. And then the, the uh, final thing is actually, you know, just having more and more... Um, detailed examination or um of 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 the pricing vis-a-vis what the market will bear and what it's costing you making sure you're going to make a profit yeah you need and that's a hard one that one because you know like you've got a lot of costs i'm not saying you've got a lot of costs but you've got to build in um a portion costs let's say you're doing it from your home at the moment you're doing it from home you're doing this from home yeah yeah so when you get bigger you'll be doing it from a factory and and then you've got to pay rent or you've got to buy the factory, you've got to pay interest or something like that. So yeah. you you need now in terms of building your cost base up to allocate an amount of money that you would ordinarily have to pay if you were renting that part of the house that you currently use for this into the into the pricing. Mm-hmm. Because what you don't want to happen is you say, okay, I've built everything and I've got my cost base. I know what my margin is. This is my price because that's what the market will bear. And, and you'd be really successful and then all of a sudden you've got such success that you have to move out of your home, you have to go and rent a factory or something. Yeah, which I'm in the process of doing. Right. And all of a sudden you say, oh, shit, this has cost me a fortune. I didn't build this cost in. Mm. And you go back to your customers and you do what the banks do. Say, look, my cost of funds, my cost of business has gone up. I'm going to charge you more because banks can do that. You won't be able to do that. No. Customers say, what? She's now charging me an extra 10 bucks a platter because yeah. she's got to cover a rent in a factory. Yeah. Um, so you need to in, that analysis in that pricing stuff, which is a really around pricing is really about around about cost plus margin. You need to do a really detailed analysis of what your costs are really fully fully apportioned for every single element in your environment. Yeah, everything your time, you know, uh, cost of uh, you know allocated cost of gas and electricity and power and depreciation for you know benches and fridges and rent for premises, things which you probably currently aren't building in because yeah. you know, right now you're paying them anyway. That's where oh, you live. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, and it's a huge thing. But it's all costs that you can get down. Yeah, they, they should happen too. Yeah. So as as I grow bigger, the costs kind of go down. They should do in theory. So, But it's it's a big challenge. Oh, yeah. So that's it's, why you're going to have to find other people to do the work for you, Libby, because you're going to be spend you'll spend most yeah. of your time like I do – Looking at my costs. Yeah, and that's what I worry about because how do you trust somebody to take your baby and do what you want them to do? Well, with the it? first thing is, do, is that your question? That's uh, no, that's not my question. But what is your question, by the way? Because we covered off, you know, we covered off. The, look, I think you've got a great idea in using your skill to repackage something and doing it through online. And we've covered the three issues off uh, pricing, which you know is really about cost and margin. Um, we've co- covered off fulfillment, which is the delivery of the product. And finally, the, the, the product itself, you know, how do you build a product? So what is your question for me? Like, I mean, you must have something you want to ask me. 
Yeah, I like, well, because my product is an Instagrammable product, um, that's how I market it. I haven't spent any money on marketing, so that's where I can also drive all of my money towards my costs. Um, but I've seen a lot of other, I guess, companies start up doing the same thing. And I guess my question is, how do you, how do you compete really well? But how do you mean? How do you, you ask me, how do I get my brand out there ahead of everybody else's? So people look, yeah. look at me first. Yeah. Well, I, I, one thing is for sure in your, at your stage of business is you don't start advertising. Don't start spending money advertising. No, I don't plan to do that. Because it's too expensive. You ought to know it. You come out of this yeah, industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, um, you know, everyone takes photos of their food hmm. on Instagram. And for me, it's all about taking that picture after I, after I make a platter. And um, in a way that I guess it's got to attract people. Well, I don't know how to make it more attractive. I mean, I say you'd be better than that than me. Um, you know, I'm serious. I think you got to, you probably have a better knack at working out what looks good and how to best present it, package it, which, you know, what I'm looking at is very good here. Um, so I, I, I guess, but you, you, you're, I think. I guess you just have to concentrate on what you're doing, like what I'm doing. You don't worry about the competition. Yeah. But I also think that, how, how long have you been doing this? Five months. Okay. There's a common problem in young People, how old are you? 26. Okay. The common <laughs> problem with, with uh, young people in your, your age group um, who have just started a startup and they think that everyone else is going faster than they are at the same stage. And really one of the things that needs to be baked into your business, again, is, is, uh, is patience. You know, like it, it's the Elton John, you know, I'm still standing. The last man standing is one that wins, okay? Yeah. And it's yeah. about patience. A lot of people drop out because they don't think they're going fast enough. Mm-hmm. So therefore you need not only patience, emotional patience, but you need patient capital. Now, that means that you need the ability to be able to keep paying your own personal bills whilst you wait for this to just get bigger and bigger and bigger through a referral system. Yeah. Your best marketing right now is your, your current customers yeah. and how you treat them. How you, and you've got an opportunity right now to treat them extraordinarily well so they keep talking about you. Yeah. Then it becomes a, a game of maintaining that same level of engagement with whoever else you employ to deliver and to make and discuss yeah. and how you talk back to your clients by email or by Christmas cards mm-hmm. or birthday cards, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but you need – this is a slow build. I mean, you could go for the fast build and just throw a shitload of money at it, but then you're going to have to go and find an investor. And I just don't think you're at that stage. No. And I don't think it's that sort of business. But therefore, you need to be patient and just keep grinding away, grinding away and just doing what you do best and not expecting too much of yourself too early. I, I, I mean, yeah. you're only in the five months. Well, that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to just contain it because it is only just me. And, you know, I have a few friends that will help me from time to time or family members, but it is just me. And then it will get to the point where... You do have to invest all the money, go out, buy fridges, go and get a space, hire people, and it, there's no in-between, no. you know? In other words, You've got wh- to jump when or do you, you pop? stay. Yeah. yeah. When am I going to pop this? Yeah. You know, when am I going to go, okay, this is it. Yeah. And then and am I going to fail? And then it's all just going to turn to shit and No, it won't fail. Stop, it won't fail and because I spent all this money? Or, I, I don't think we'll you know, fail. they're the worries I, that I get. I don't think we'll fail, but I, I would be jumping, uh, to, to use your um, uh, parlance or, you know, going into that pop period. Yeah. At the lowest common denominator, in other words, I would tread into it at, 
this at the smallest amount. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say okay. I'm going to go on this real hard now. Yeah. I, no, I, no, no. I'd no, be no. saying okay. Well, I'm going to buy a fridge, but instead of buying the biggest fridge, I'm going to buy a smaller one. You know, yeah. And uh, and and just ease well, myself testing, into it. Yeah. Just keep and easing yourself into it and be patient. Don't worry about going too slow. Yeah. Don't don't you don't have to meet the demand. Yeah. No, that's where good. it's a problem, where if you try to because if you try to meet the demand and you fail, that's a worse problem. If you just say to people, "Look, I'm so busy, I can't, I can't give you anything at the moment," yeah. you're at least you're going to keep engaged. It's a bit like people but line that up. That happens a lot. But that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. You know? And but eventually you're going to have to get to them because yeah. they'll go somewhere else. But and you, what you'd be worried about is well, I, I've attracted them in as a as a customer. They're going they're going to go somewhere else because they need a platter. That's fine. It's it's a, a lesser of the two evils because. If you say, no, no, I'll take everybody in and then you stuff it up, yeah. you've lost them forever. It's worse, yeah. At least you've got a chance if they come to you in the first place and have gone somewhere else, you've mm. got their details, you can go back to them and sort of say, I'm ready to come to you now. Would you give me an opportunity? Whereas if you stuff it up, they won't give you another opportunity. No. So you're at a point now where you have to be very choosy how you expand and at what speed you expand out. Because if you expand at a too fast, a speed is going to require too much of your capital. That's the first thing. But secondly, it's sort of probably doomed to failure because, you know, you're only one person. Yeah. And even if you get another two or three of you, it'll probably still fail during that education period. Yeah, you've got to be So just it. step it out. Maybe if you had been going for 18 months, I'd say, well, maybe now's the time to go. But you're mm. only five months into it. So just yeah, step it still, out. Still Doing it in little, little, little um, movements, small movements, mm. one at a time. Another 10 clients, I, I reckon I could stretch another 10. Um, I need to get another person in after 10. I need, at 11, I need one more person. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's yeah. be very, very strategic and careful about this. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you quit your job. Mm-hmm. So, how are you funding yourself? Through this. Through this. So, th- yeah, this so is. I'm a, paying myself. Yeah. You are paying yourself. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. good, good, yeah. good. So, you're yeah. making money out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. So, it's not going to put any pressure on you in that regard. No. That's, that's perfect. I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. So and you're making you're making enough to keep your head above water and yep. be happy enough as it is. And yeah. I haven't had to take one loan. Perfect, perfect, so perfect. It probably at some stage you might need to get a personal loan of you know ten, twenty. Yeah, grand. and that's totally fine. That yeah. will be when I'm ready to make that jump. Okay, so well, I think you're in a good spot, and I think you're doing everything nice and strategically. Yeah, um, be patient. Um, don't feel like you're not going fast enough. Mm-hmm. Never feel that way. The game we live in today, Instagram lives or stuff. <laughs> Pushes us, right, right. makes us feel like we're not going fast enough. Yeah. The clever people say, no, no, I am going fast enough. I'll run my game, my, my race at my pace. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and cause I'm, I might not win it, but I'll tell you one thing is I'm less likely to lose it. Yeah. That's where you got to be less likely to lose, maybe not win it, but less likely to lose. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's really great. nice meeting you. Really nice to meet you. Our second guest today is Luke Beaton, who set up his own design agency called Sailor Studio in 2013. And Luke specialises, or his Sailor Studio specialises in all sorts of web and digital design advertising. Luke, there's lots of these businesses around. Why did you decide to go and do this and where did you come from? What's your background, experience and skill? Yeah. And tell me why. What's the why? You're right. There are there are a lot of these businesses around. Um, so I'd, I'd, um, I'd worked in some agencies, uh, print studio and a, a design studio. Previously, it's been about nine years working in the industry. So you got the skill? Um, yep, yep, got the Is skill. It, does that mean you're a graphic designer or? 
I come from a yeah graphic design background. Right. Yeah. So okay. I'm not a web developer. I come from a graphic design. Right. Background. So you, you're uh, you're you know you have that artistic ability. Yeah. And you did, when you say graphic designer, did uh, background does that mean you did a gra- graphic design course or academically, or you studied that at school or after school? How did that work? Yeah, exactly. So I studied. Uh, yeah, I did a degree at uh, UWS or now mm-hmm. Western Sydney University. Yeah. Uh, the <clears> visual <throat> visual communication degree out there. Um, so really great, really great design degree. Uh, and then spent my last semester of that abroad in studying in Germany, a design school in Germany. Right. So, so you've got the academic background, yep. you learned the theoretical stuff, then you went, then, then you went and got the skill. Then went and got the skill. So I spent, uh, five years in a print shop, which I think most graphic, uh, every graphic designer should do kind of learn the actual kind of trade behind graphic design. Uh, and then from there into an agency and then into a boutique design studio. Right. So you got the skill base. Yep. So you basically got your driver's license to be able to do this business. Then that's pretty important because... Some people want to go into web design or any type of business without actually having the having done the driving test exactly. and, and driven for a few years. And so you've done that. And I think that's critical to people listening. If you want to go into business for yourself, make sure you've got the ability to execute. Now, that just doesn't mean backing yourself. Backing yourself is great. <laughs> but you've got to have some skills, some experience, some um, intellect around it and also and knowledge, theoretical knowledge, and have been taught by somebody. Yeah, yeah, and, and for years, I'd, I'd, you know, when I was working in an agency, I was always thinking, oh, I'd love to start my own, love to start my own thing, but I didn't feel like I had those skills quite yet. So I wanted to say, look, when, I'll just keep learning. Once I felt like I've learned enough about the industry and you know, to be a great designer, um, then I, you know, it might it'll be time to step out on my own. Because it, yeah, because you're effectively you're running your own business when you go on business for yourself, you're running your own business. Yeah. You don't have the protection of someone else running it and having a CFO and someone else earning all the revenues and controlling all the costs and paying all the bills. And, you know, yeah. you know, it's a nice, it's a, it's a better arrangement to be learning and getting a driver's license while someone's paying your wage. But lots of people think this way. I mean, I thought this way when I was your age, I don't want to work for the man anymore. I want to work for myself. Um, I think everyone thinks that we all think we're going to get all the greater flexibility and, uh, life's going to be fantastic. And every dollar I earn is going to be mine. I'm not going to put any more money back into the boss's pocket he's, I'm going to have the house on Hunters Hill and he's not, I'm not going to be paying for his house on Hunters yeah. Hill and his BMW, et cetera. So is, is that something that, that you thought of? You thought, oh, shit, I, I don't want to have to go this journey. I want to run my own, my own game. Is that, was that what was going through your head? Yeah, it was, it was actually, there was two things happening. One, um, uh, there was a little bit of that. I thought I'd get some flexibility, which hasn't happened. I work yeah, it twice, never happens, twice by the way. hours. But the second thing was, you know, I was working in the city. Most agencies are in the city. I'm passionately Western Sydney. Born and bred there, and I wanted to. I felt like there was a need for the, some some more um, w- businesses in the creative sector in Western Sydney to serve the businesses of Western Sydney, but to also bring um, just a bit more of the creative industry to Western Sydney. And so I wanted to start a studio in Western Sydney. Um, I've since learned, you know, since then I realised there are there are some other great studios there. There wasn't, um, it wasn't that it didn't exist out there. But I wanted to add to that as well and be, be part of that community. Okay, so you you, you you unleashed yourself from working for somebody else in order to execute on a passion of yours. It's got really got nothing to do with the business itself. It's about, look, I believe in Western Sydney and I believe that I can add something to Western Sydney and I want to do something within Western Sydney where I come from. It's like I want to go back to my roots, so to speak. Exactly. Is, is that yeah. sort of, yeah. No, I think that's a good reason because I think that if you're – just leaving working for somebody else in order to, oh, I reckon I can make more money or and I can work less hours and make more money, which a lot of people think, um, they're the wrong reasons, um, to be frank with you, because as you just said, you end up working double the amount of hours. 
Um, you have three times the amount of anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. Um, you may or may not make the same amount of money, um, yeah. but one thing is for sure, it'll be lumpy. It won't be smooth. Mm. In other words, you won't get your paycheck every week for the same amount of money. You'll get some in six weeks and some in two weeks and none for four weeks. Yeah. Because, you know, you've got to wait for your customers to pay and you're reliant upon their cash flow situation. Mm. Um, and you're going to suffer all the usual vagaries of, you know, having to do your BAS statements and your GST and you've got to pay the government and yeah. etc. Um, so it's not, it's not a, a, a clean run. I mean, what was your experience when you first started doing this? How did you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, like all of those things you just said. I, you know, I, I, I did expect that I might have some more flexibility, which I, I do have the flexibility. I could choose not to go to work. And it would be yeah, okay, but you but, can't. But unfortunately, the opposite happens. I work six days a week, and it comes at a huge personal cost, um, which you know I'm sure you can relate to it. You know, you you really do pay a big price to to run a business, um, which is quite tough and. Um, you know, a price for yourself, but a price for your family as well. You know, my, my wife's had to, you know, sit by and kind of support me, which has been a hard road for her as well. So you, you, you're right; you do pay a, a big, big price, and there is, you know, the the, the the cash flow is quite difficult to balance. There's not this regular, steady income. Um, you know, yeah. Would you have done anything different? Oh, good, good question. Yeah, I look. I'm sure if I sat down, that there might be some things I would do a bit different. Um, and there's probably things I'm doing right now that I should be doing in a different way. Um, I've, I've tried to surround myself with people to kind of advise me so I don't make those mistakes. So I've, you know, I've got a great business advisor. Um, I've got a great accountant. I've got a great bookkeeper. So I've tried to make sure the areas that I'm not great at, I've got the right advice. So I'm hoping I'm not making too many mistakes. But um, Do you ever think to yourself, and I was funny, I was having this conversation this morning with somebody, do you ever think to yourself, well, and I thought, I've often thought about it. Well, maybe if I hadn't have run off and set up Wizard or done the other big road, et cetera, instead of doing that, I could have been maybe, you know, maybe giving myself to be a rapid CEO of one of the big banks, you know, today. And I might have been pulling, you know, 15, 16 million bucks a year um, and not have the responsibility of having my own money in the business, which is what I do in Yellow Brick Road. I mean, it's all my money at risk. Um, not having the, you know, the drama of, you know, being a, a competitor to the hundred-year-old banks, whereas a hundred-year-old bank, they just make money whether you, whether you, you know whether someone's a CEO of the bank or not. They're still going to make billions of dollars because they've been there for all these years and they've got government licenses and it's just a thing to print money. Um, so you don't have that pressure. I mean, you got you got work pressure. Don't get me wrong. I don't say the CEOs aren't under pressure, but you're not going to lose money. You're going to make money. It's just a matter of how much you make. Do you make the amount of money the market expects? You know, instead of making eight billion, you might make seven point eight billion. You know, that's sort of where it's at. And I think to myself sometimes, you know, it might have been a lot easier to do that instead of me actually taking them on. So, do, have you ever thought to yourself, well, you know, today um, I could be a, a big executive in a big agency, you know, given my years of experience, and you know, I could be earning three hundred fifty grand a year or four hundred grand a year um, instead of right now I've. I might make four hundred grand a year in my age, my little business, but I carry all the burden with it, of it. Do you ever th- sit back and think to yourself that? You yeah, know, yeah. I, I do having think, annual I do leave of six that. weeks every yeah. year, and say to the <clears throat> say to the missus, "Listen, we're going to Italy, or you know, and we've got yeah. four weeks off, and taking the family, and uh, instead yeah. now you can't go away from business for four or six weeks." Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's funny. I went away uh, for three days uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was still on the phone most of the day and still had to check my emails most of the day. So 
So yeah, I, I can't do those things. Um, but to answer your question, I, I, I do sometimes think about that. I, I, okay. I look at, um, probably not, not so much my own industry, but I look at other avenues I could have gone down. I think, Oh, look, if I'd, you know, if I'd studied something else, I could have been a, um, you know, I could have been a, um, web developer instead. I could have been a, you know, great front end developer and I could possibly, you know, go into Silicon Valley and got a job at a tech startup, but maybe they're just like, um, kind of dreaming ambitions. You know, I could have, I could be working for Google or maybe I should go and get a job here, but you know, I'm sure lots of people think those things are. Well, why don't you? What, 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 <laughs> what makes you stop? What, why, why do you say, no, I'm going to persevere, persevere with this thing? Um, I, I, I actually really enjoy the business side of it. Yeah. I really enjoy, I enjoy networking. I enjoy building the business. I'm involved in, you know, the local business chambers and I kind of enjoy just running the business side of things. I spoke to some friends the other week and I said to them, you know, if, if this all, if this went down tomorrow, I'd, I'd probably be just as happy running a car wash. I just kind of enjoy the act of building a business. So I think that, um, although I sometimes might cross my mind to, you know, be working somewhere else, I do just enjoy building, building something. And I, I, I'm glad yeah. you said that because it's very important for people listening to this show that I think that's an, that's a, a necessary ingredient in being successful in business. It's not just that you have the skill, because as we started off on this, yeah, you got the skill, you know how to do it, you did your apprenticeship, you know, you, you know, you've got, as a, you know, I use the vernacular, sort of like had your license to, you know, you, to, to, to drive one of these businesses with all the skills, education, et cetera. But you also got to have this concept in your own mind that I like running a business. There's a big difference being a graphic designer and being a, you know, web developer, whatever it is you're going to be in an agency or in a big organization, then going out and running your own business as a designer because then you have to be running a business. And as you said, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a car wash or what you're doing, it's irrelevant. You have to like doing that sort of thing mm. and be prepared to make all the sacrifices that go with it. You know, like small business owners, it's the, for me, it's the toughest haul there is. There is no tougher one. But if we don't have them in this country, um, this country will fail because small business owners employ 60% of all people in this country. And people like you are employing consultants and accountants and advisors and like there's a myriad of people who are sort of living off your prosperity and your hard work and your commitment and your desire to do what you do to run a small business. Mm. And without that, this country's economy does not roll, just does not roll. So we are very lucky in this country that we have people like you who, who are prepared to do that and lots of them. It's just in our DNA, lots and lots of them. But if you're thinking it and you're listening to this and you're someone who wants to, who thinks, oh, I want to go and work for myself, then you better be listening right now because it's not like a bed of roses. It's not easy street, but it is fulfilling and satisfying. Mm. What would you say to anyone who's listening here right now who's been done exactly the same studies you, you have done has got nearly got has got half the experience you've got and thinking to themselves, I want to go and do what this guy's doing. I want to go and live this sort of life. What would you say to them? What would you? What advice would you give to them? So someone that's kind of got half the experience. Yeah, someone who's yeah. like in third or fourth year at it, and yeah. sort of thinking, Wow, I'd like to be like this. Yeah, I, I want to have my own business. What, what would you say to them? I, I I think two things. One, um, I think you should um, kind of work for someone else for long enough to kind of keep learning to really learn the skills. I think. Uh, it's quite a danger to step out too early to or to finish uni and then try and start a business straight away. There's, there's a lot to be learnt by working in, a, in an agency or working under someone. 
kind of learning how the industry, particularly our industry, kind of learning how the industry works. Um, I think, so that, that, that's one, one word of advice. The other word of advice is we kind of already talked about, I think it's important to really enjoy business. I think, um, there's so much of my time is spent doing the actual business side as opposed to the design work, um, that you really have to enjoy that because it will take most of your time. And, and if you're a good business person, it should take all of your time. At some point you want to kind of work on the business, not in it. Correct. And so if you've really got to enjoy business almost more than design or whatever other. And be prepared to give it up. In. And be prepared to give it up. Yeah, exactly. And, and just say, okay, oh, I'm going to hand it over to somebody else and I'm going to run the business. Yeah. Which side is of things. hard. <laughs> and then most people think that this is, you know, cause I mean, I, people come to me all the time and I don't even know whether they need to get experience necessarily within the discipline that they want to ultimately go into. Just having any experience in business, just know how corporations work or business works, you know, like just, and, and be patient about it. Just see how, just learn how projects are designed and, uh, you know, how they are executed upon and, uh, and, and just understand how you've got to do a budget and you've got to get something done on time and to a price and to a mm. cost, I should say. Just those experiences, and there's a couple of years in that, at least two or three years of experience of any type of business experience is good mm. that you need to apply to your skill. And that's what you're saying. In your case, you did nine years? Yeah. Nine yeah, years. Nine years, yeah. And then ultimately you worked out, okay, now I'm ready to go. Yeah. And I, I, I just too many people I see uh, in a hurry mm. to go and start a business. Like you said, they get out of um, you know, design school or some sort of school education, uh, tertiary education, they think I'm ready to start up. I'm going to start my own business up. That's why 80% of startups fail because mm. they don't have enough skill and they're actually never going to be business people ever. So what keeps you up at night? What keeps me up at night? Um, look, it, it's, it's the past six months have been quite stressful. The, the business has grown substantially. So I've been, uh, I've employed a couple extra staff members. So I think just the, the stress of the business has, has kept me up. We talked before about the personal cost and that that's the personal cost. You know, Explain to me. You know, yeah. I think it's important people hear this. I mean, hopefully you're prepared to talk about it, but yeah. how does stress manifest itself for a, a business owner who is expanding, which is a good thing? Yeah. How does it manifest itself? Like is it 2 o'clock in the morning you're waking up or you don't sleep at all? Or tell me, what's the? how does it manifest itself? Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to it's hard to – put into words actually, I, I guess it manifests itself in just in, in constantly thinking about it. Like it never leaves your mind. So I'm constantly thinking about all the work that's got to be done, all the jobs that are on, you know, the job that missed the deadline that, you know, I know that someone's going to chase me up for. So it's just that const, constantly thinking about it before coming in the studio, I was sitting out there on my phone, check, checking through jobs. Um, and I'm sure most business people can relate to that. Just that it's always on, you don't clock off at five thirty or six and switch off you get home at eight or nine or, you know, past midnight and you're still thinking about it as you, as you lie in bed and then you wake up thinking about it. So again. that's how it, it, uh, yeah. it uh, runs your life. Yeah. And what yeah, yeah. techniques have you developed, Luke, to manage that? How old are you? Uh, 32. Okay. Yeah. So what techniques as a 32 year old have, have you developed any techniques? Like some people, for example, some people say, I got to go to sports. Some people say I got to go and do yoga. Because your brain needs a rest. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, like, fair income, you need to have a, a point at which, and I think it's every day, your brain needs 20 minutes out or 30 minutes out or an hour out. What do you do? Is it you go surfing? Some people go surfing. Some people go running. Some people do yoga. Some people do Pilates. 
Some people um, get a massage. I don't know. What, what do yeah. you do? Some people play with the kids. What is it that gives you that distraction and gives your brain the time to rest and recover? Yeah. Uh, look, it's probably not something I do very well, actually. I, I, I don't – finding time for hobbies and things like that has kind of taken a backseat to – well, no, I'm not saying business, playing golf, yeah. but I mean, if you can have but the luxury of playing golf, well, yeah. what, what do you do anything? I mean, when do you give your brain a rest? I know you're only 32, yeah, so you've yeah. probably got a lot more ability not to give your brain a rest, but mm. there's going to come a point <laughs> where you will have to. Yeah. I, I think at the moment it's, it's spending time with families. So, you know, I, I, I try not to work on weekends uh, and I try, you know, sometimes I will work on a Saturday or a Sunday night or something like that, but I, I try not to work on weekends. Unfortunately, sometimes I do, but you know, I try to do that and spend time, spend time with my, my wife and Son, yeah. Okay. Well, because I'll share something with you, and it's it's not probably not new, but it, it's sort of become popular. But and I had I was a bit of a cynic about this sort of stuff. But I've been trying uh, meditation for the last well, eighteen months, um, and I try and do it every day. I don't, but I try to do it. Every day. I have an actual meditation app because you know I find constant thinking about your business actually can wake you up at two or three in the morning, and then you think, shit, how am I going to get back to sleep mm. without? sitting here pondering about what's my business issue is for tomorrow or what it was yesterday. Um, and meditation I find actually works for me. Um, and meditation, what I, for me, what meditation is anyway, is, uh, getting my, my, my brain into a position where I'm not actually thinking about anything at all. There is nothing in my brain about other than what I'm doing, breathing or I don't do a mantra, I just do breathing. Um, you know, like slow breathing and, and I practice it and there's an app that I use, um, um, on my mobile phone. And in fact, I use it last, uh, this morning at 2am mm. and it actually, uh, helps just give your brain a rest. And sometimes you do it during the day. They say you should do it during the, the day. It's more valuable if you do it during the day. Um, so I find meditation a really good opportunity. Just take the word meditation. It sounds sort of too guru-ishy, but... Basically, giving your brain a rest. Yeah. And and but not having anything in there, and letting your you know, neurological system just and, and all the synapsing and all the electrical impulses, which is what you have there when you're thinking, just let it just turn everything off, just turn all the power down, and let your brain sit and relax. Because if you don't, you wear it out, and you get you get uh, frayed on the edges, and then you you can get your immune system can get affected etc and i think it's really really important for people in businesses to know this now you're saying you 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 can have the ability to, to do time out with your family your kid i think that's great um but still you're still thinking a little bit i think maybe you want to consider you know getting to a point where i i just think meditation is brilliant you know it, it can be done look surfers do it they get out and they mm. ride the board and they meditate in when they're out there on the board you know people do yoga do it um and I'm not doing saying this because it's popular and it's you know trendy or whatever. I actually think this stuff works, um, mm. so it's worthwhile looking into. I'm going to give you a, a, the, the same opportunity to give everyone. What one question would you ask me? Yeah, um, I, the question I had for you, I've been doing a bit of reading about disruption and you know looking at kind of um, businesses who've kind of disrupted whole markets, things like Uber, um, Airbnb are, are great examples. Um, I wanted to kind of ask you: Is there any disruption or any um, potential disruptions happening in the creative sector that are of interest to you? Is there anything that kind of... Well, free, freelance is a good example of that style of all, all the new iterations of freelancer um, is a good example, um, you know, where they basically get the collective brains of everybody in the world, in freelancer's case, mm. 
um, uh, to do creative, um, you know, and, and bringing the price down. Mm. Because, you know, Uber and all those sort of organizations, what they're doing is basically saying, what is the total capacity of every person who can execute on this project? Um, and how do I give the demand side, in other words, the users, the consumers of that capacity, how do I put them together? That's, that's all Uber does, et cetera, and, and Airbnb. And you create a marketplace where you match the capacity to the demand. Now, whether you do this in creative spaces or any space, this is just exactly what all these disruptors do. They create a marketplace matching the total capacity with the total demand and assuming the capacity is greater than demand, which usually it is, then the you, the expectation is that the price will go down. In other words, supply will be greater than demand, which means prices reduce. Mm. And that is the hallmark of a disruptor. The hallmark of a disruptor is they bring the same product at a lower price on a sustainable basis. And the only way you do that is building supply or matching supply with demand. Mm. So that's what, that's what freelancer does. That's what everybody yeah. does. And uh, so what it means in probably in your case is um, for you to build, for Luke Beaton to build out a marketplace website that has lots of people with your type of capacity, design capacity, creative capacity, mm. to meet the demands of all those people out there who want the use of that and by doing so, bringing the price down of the, de the delivery of the product. And you've got to do something that actually will um, build awareness around that fact. Mm. So you need to do something that creates awareness around that fact. That's a, more of a marketing, you know, mm. that's a marketing project. And I, I don't really have the ability to opine on that at the moment. But the concept of disruption is exactly yeah. what I just said. Marketplace, capacity meets demand. Mm. You can take that away and maybe think about how you can apply that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting that you use freelance as the example. That's um, a lot of people see that as a kind of threat to our to our industry, um, but there's many offices see it as as a great opportunity. So, you know, I'm, I'm able to take on um, projects that I um, either don't have a skill set for or can't find the skill set for locally by using freelance. But, but I have this huge huge capacity, and it's not so much about finding you know a cheap developer to bring the cost down. It's just about finding you know, great developers. Those yeah. websites have a lot of cheap developers. They also have, you know, incredibly highly skilled developers and, and you do pay a price for it. They're, they're not actually not that much cheaper. Um, so they've actually grown to something much bigger, not just, you know, cheap, quick and easy, um, find a cheap developer. You can get these incredibly highly skilled developers in very niche areas with very um, particular skill sets. So it's actually become an opportunity, I think, for our And I, and I think and that's well. interesting, Luke, you should say, because I think where the disruption today is, is not building a new freelancer, but it's actually disrupting freelancer. So mm. um, where you disrupt freelancer is, okay, freelancer is everything to everyone. Where you disrupt freelancers, you actually go and pick a segment out of freelancers um, menu and you disrupt that segment mm. specifically, maybe mm. your segment. Yeah. You become the gun for your segment. In other words, you go and pull together all those parts that you know, fr freelance can't be everything to everyone forever. Yeah. They're going to start specializing at some stage. And there are already are people specializing within the, like specializing di in disruption of, of what freelancer does. So mm. it's about disrupting the disruptor. Yeah. That's where we're at because there already is disruption. So it's about disrupting the disruptor and how mm. do you do that? And you just, you do that by segment base. You specialize in something 
that they are not able to specialise because they're a broad-based business. Mm. You go and say, okay, you can do that. That's great, freelancer, but I'm going to go and specialise in this and I'm going to be the best and biggest in that. That may be the, the way forward. Yeah, well. Good to meet Thanks. you. Nice Good. to meet you. Thank Good you. Good luck, Luke. This has been the Mark Boris Podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter, at Mark Boris, and find out more at markboris.com.au. Listener.